You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. What is up, everybody? Uh, Hopefully everybody's having a great week. I have a confession to make. I love bow hunting yes it's hard to admit at times but uh i uh i do i do absolutely love it and uh it puts a smile on my soul and hopefully that translates into this podcast and you get smiles on your souls too um okay enough of that crap today we have a podcast. It's kind of a BS session. We talk about a whole diff- bunch of different things with Chase Prince. He lives down in Florida, uh, north central Florida, uh, near Gainesville. And uh, he talks about his bow hunting, I guess, strategy, uh, some of the rules and regulations down there. Um, listening close to that part, by the way. And then uh, a whole bunch of different you know, other things that revolve around his hunting down there in Florida. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. But before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to take a second and uh, talk to you a little bit about DeerLab.com and how cool I think it is. Now, I, I used to be that guy who has about 400 different folders um, inside of a different folder on my desktop and that's where I keep all my trail camera photos now once I started playing around with deer lab I th- it it became a lot easier to identify bucks and and then once you get to learn how to use this software which is very easy by the way you basically drag and drop your trail camera photos into deer lab it automatically organizes them for you and then um, you can label some of those pictures uh, with the name of the deer or you know, the, you can sort them by property, sort them by trail camera location, sort them by the deer itself. And then long story short, that helps you identify patterns um, in their movement. And, you know, using your brain, you can forecast um, based off of those trail camera pictures where this deer lives, where he's moving, when he's moving, what wind direction makes him move, all these things. And uh, it can give you a little bit of insight on where to hang your stand and when to hang your stand in order to, uh, you know, harvest, whether it's any shooter buck or a specific deer. So, uh, be sure to go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers and, uh, sign up for a free, uh, 30 day trial period. And that's more than if you go to the regular website. So, uh, deerlab.com slash nine fingers and, uh, give it a try. So now let's get into today's BS session podcast with Chase Prince from Florida. 
All right, Chase Prince, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Now, I always like to um, look at someone's name and then guess what they're good or bad at. Um, but with a name like Chase Prince, I'm assuming you're an excellent dancer. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'm average. Average. Okay. Just an average. Okay. Well, you got a, you got a name for a guy who could really be a good dancer. <laughs> um, I'm more, uh, athletic. We'll just say I'm more of the athletic. Okay. Type. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So, but. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, why don't you tell everybody where you live and what do you do for a living? Okay, I live in High Springs, Florida. It's about 30 minutes west of Gainesville, Florida. Go Gators. Um, I am a firefighter paramedic for the uh, city of Gainesville. Okay. All right. And... um, so you live in the north side of Florida. How far away is that from uh, like the Georgia border? I live about maybe an hour and 15 minutes from the Georgia border. Okay. All right. And then, all right. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about uh, today is hunting down in Florida. Um, my buddy Walter Lee, he's been on the podcast uh, a couple times before, and he's talked about hunting uh, over on the Panhandle because I think he's over by uh, Tallahassee, which is the um, uh, that's where your arch nemesis, the Seminoles, are at, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so he hunts over there. So I think what I, where I want to start off at is over where you're at west of Gainesville, what is the terrain like over there? What's the habitat these deer are living in? Uh, And then we'll move on from there. Okay. Um, Well, the terrain, I would say mostly flat, maybe a little bit of hills here and there, Uh, nothing crazy. Um, The deer where I hunt at specifically, um, they're in a mixture of hardwoods, um, some planted pines, and there's some uh, agriculture uh, in the area. They plant like watermelons, peanuts, corn, um, okay. you name it, for this area. Gotcha. And uh, what's the what are the numbers like in in your area? A lot of deer, or, or not a lot? Uh, I would say a lot. A lot. Okay. What is a lot? Best guess. Um best guess usually there's times when i can see 35 to 40 does in a city holy smokes yeah that's a lot that's a lot so what are they you know in order to have a popular in order to have a population that big you have to have good food sources what are the food sources that these deer are eating um like i said i mean they've got they've got good hardwoods and they have a bunch of just forage. I mean, just right. natural feed on. Um, I mean, they're, they're really healthy deer. I mean, they're actually quite a bit bigger than your normal size Florida deer body size wise. Um, so, I mean, they're feeding on what people are farming in the area. Like I said, I mean, they do, I know they do peanuts, watermelons, corn, stuff like that. So they're feeding on that during the summer, uh, in the fall. I mean, of course they're on the acorns and, uh, maybe some winter rye, stuff like that. Gotcha. They'll, they'll eat a watermelon. Um, they'll, they'll be out in the field. I mean, I know the watermelon farmers have permits, um, to shoot them off of their stuff. So I'm sure that they're eating some out there. Right. <laughs> okay. Actual watermelon or just maybe some of the um, things around the watermelon. Okay. So down there in Florida, What's your, what's your tag system like? How many tags can you get? What's your license system like? Because, you know, here in Iowa, um, the county that I hunt, I, uh, we have quotas or we have a certain number. And you can hunt as many deer or as many does as you want until that county quota is filled. And then, then you're done with those. And then you can have one statewide buck tag and if you're a landowner then you can there's different options for you but um 
what's it like in Florida? <laughs> well, you're going to laugh. So Florida's season, South Florida starts about July, and then through the panhandle, the season runs until maybe the middle of February. Okay. And Florida, you can kill two bucks a day every day for the whole season. <laughs> that is kind of funny. That is kind there of is funny. No, there's there's really no permit. So you get two bucks every day for the whole season. So right. I mean, you can kill two hundred. I, I mean, I don't know what the number would be, but I mean, theoretically, if you could hunt every day of the season, you could go out and kill two bucks, and you'd be legal. Okay, that's a lot um, of deer. The same does, thing with does. No, does are you get a te- you can kill them in archery season, which lasts about a month. Um, where I'm at, uh, you can kill one um, a day for the whole season of archery, and then there is a usually there's a three or four day season during general gun where you can kill those. There's no like you can get land deprivation deprivation permits for those. But as far as tags, like they don't have any over-the-counter tags or anything. That those are the days that you're allowed to kill does. Okay, so does with with restrictions like that or, or laws like that do unless you're specifically managing for big mature deer? Do deer ever get to maturity down there? Um, I would say there are some, I mean, there's some, I mean, Florida deer, I mean, I've seen them make it to four or five years old. There's a lot of private leases in Florida. Gotcha. Um, so they, they definitely have the chance to reach maturity. Um, especially where I hunt. I mean, I've hunted public and I've, that, that people kill mature deer every year, just like anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but it's the exception, not the rule, but where I'm at, yeah, they definitely have a chance to reach maturity. Okay. And is that because, uh, it's private ground where people, you know, are picky about what they shoot or, um, is it a lot, or do you hunt like low pressure public ground? Um, it's, I hunt right now. I hunt private. Um, I, there's a couple of property, two different properties that I hunt. Um, and they're both private. And everybody pretty much has kind of like an idea of what um, they should shoot. Uh, we we try to stick to like a general number on like each property. Um, yeah. So like going out killing two a day every day or anything like that. Right. Um, and like I said, every I mean, all the guys where I'm at, I mean, they want to kill mature deer. So um, they're not out there just shooting your spikes and four points and things right. like that just because they can. Right. So from an, from an age class perspective on some of the properties that you hunt, um, what are, I mean, do you share a prop properties with other guys? And then do you have, uh, like, do you guys communicate before the season starts saying, Hey, uh, nobody shoots a deer under three or nobody shoots a two year old or under what are the, what are the restrictions that you guys put on your piece of property that, that you hunt? Um, well, we have, um, a rule in our club that it's got to have three points on one side or better. Okay. So just, that's usually six point or eight, but most of the guys are shooting eight points or better. Okay. I would say, but rule is three or better unless, like, unless it's like a management style buck. Okay. And um, then I'll take one of those out. Like if they're just a, re- a really big deer with small horns or something like that, then um, it's okay to shoot them. So we don't, nobody has a problem with that. Right. So what about age class? Do you guys look at age class as a determining factor or is it mostly based off of what their antlers are telling you? Um, mostly antlers. I mean, usually if, if they've got big antlers, then they're older, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. for, at least for the Florida. I mean, a, when you're talking about, they say that a, like a Florida registry buck is a hundred inches or better. Okay. I mean, that's, that's kind of like a standard. Like if you kill it over a hundred inches, then you're like in like the Florida record books or whatever, as, as right. far as like how many killed every year over a hundred inches is kind of the standard of like a three, I would say like a three and a half year old deer from Florida is probably over a hundred inches. Okay. And then 
what's the what's a a decent average body size for a for a deer down there? Well, they say an average size for just the state of Florida is around 120 pounds, I believe, 120, 130. But yeah. where I'm at. I've killed them up to 195 pounds. Oh, okay. So, where I'm at, they, it ranges uh, between, I would say between 145 and 195. I kill a ton of them during like, like during the kind of the peak of the rut when they're kind of run down. They'll, they'll normally go about 160. Okay. Uh, and then season, I've killed them up to 195 pounds. Gotcha. So down there where you're at, um, how far are you from the Gulf of Mexico? I am about 50 miles. 50 miles from the Gulf. And then how far from the Atlantic Ocean? Um, I'm almost in the middle. So maybe 60 okay. somewhere in there. I gotcha. So does it still get into the 30s in the wintertime down there at all? Uh, it used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, it got into the 30s maybe a couple of times. Um, but I mean, there, I mean, I used to, I remember I used to be hunting in the teens, like it'd be like 19 to 20 ish, uh, five, six years ago. But over these past five years, I mean, you'll get some days in the thirties, uh, for sure, but nothing crazy and nothing for like an extended period of time. Right. All right. So when does the, in the area that you hunt, um, when does the, when does the Florida, season start up okay in the area i hunt which is like i said is north central florida there's right. different zones like an a b c and a d zone right um my zone is c and we start usually around september 20th okay and in january 20th okay so uh september to october november december january so four straight months of hunting right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So, um, September, what's the temperature down there usually like when, like the first time that you go into the tree stand or blind? Um, the first time, well, let's just say opening morning. I mean, it'll probably be around 77, 78 degrees starting out. <laughs> okay. All right. And then how long does that last before there's a, any type of cool down? Um, and that's, I would probably say you're looking at middle of October. Okay. So another month until you start getting into what the sixties, fifties, sixties. Um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be some 50, 60 mornings for sure. I mean, I've had some mornings in October that are low forties. Okay. Um, but like that last long, it'll be like fronts that kind of come through. Um, but like I said, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I mean, you're hunting in the even time. It could be 95 degrees outside. I mean, right, right, right. So that lasts for a while. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you mentioned earlier that the terrain, it's pretty flat out there and oh, yeah. you, you got some, you got some ag and you have hardwoods, right? Um, with, with there being no terrain, talk to us about how the deer move. Let's say I still, I still believe they they have a bedding area then they transition into a staging area or a food source um in the evenings just like they they do everywhere else in the country but they they're not using terrain as much um talk to us a little bit about how deer down in florida especially your area move throughout the day um well specifically where i'm at i mean you're talking about just thick woods and a bunch of woods I mean, as far as the property, I mean, let's say I'm hunting on 700 acres or 800 acres. I mean, there, 600 of it's going to be wooded. I mean, between planted pines, hardwoods, uh, stuff like that. So as far as like terrain features, they don't really need those because it's just so thick in a ton of places. I mean, you may get 15, 20 yard shots, um, maybe your furthest shots in a lot of these places. So I would say they use a lot of like, most people say they, they like to use edge. Well, they've got places where it's like really thick cover where it kind of like transitions and they're not as thick. And I think that they just like to stay close to those areas. Um, now the does and stuff, I mean, the does down here, I mean, 
they'll they'll go out in the wide open. They don't have a problem with it. But the bucks, especially the mature bucks, um, you have a real hard time seeing them in the wide open. And if they are, it's only for a few seconds. Um, right. They're not down to stay in the open, especially even during the rut. Like I've had them run out behind a doe, and then they come out into the open, and they look kind of left and right, and boom, they're gone again. And like, I mean, they don't they don't mess around in the open, obviously, especially during the daylight. Gotcha. Um, but it's really thick. I mean, they can bed anywhere. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, certain bedding areas, I'll say yes, that that's a bedding area. But I mean, I can I can walk up on if I just walk through the woods. I mean, I'll walk up on deer a ton of times where I would think, oh, why would a deer be bedded there? It's just there's just so much cover. They could just like literally they'll bed under your stand sometimes because they just have there's so much cover around you. Um, they don't really have to say, okay, I'm going to bed here because this is the safest place on the property. Gotcha. Um, so, but yeah, I would say they use just a thick cover more than anything and they can hang out there. I mean, yeah. there's so many oak hammocks and stuff like that. Like a big deer. I mean, he doesn't have to get up. I mean, get up, he can move 20 yards, feet on all the acorns on the ground. He goes back and beds down <laughs> until right. evening time ever. So, it's so is that, is that a tradition? Like, uh, is that the standard case for early season? I mean, is there, with you, with you saying there is, you know, a lot of hardwoods and a lot of acorns down where you hunt, are the deer moving very far throughout the day? Um, and maybe even talk how that, uh, relates to buck movement or are they traveling, uh, you know, good distances? Um, as far as during bow season, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I hardly ever have any encounters with big bucks. I mean, I don't know if that's just, I mean, you got the heat, the humidity, you're sweating a bunch, um, you're walking in. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could be winning you from a mile away. I mean, I don't know. I just never really have that many good encounters um, because, I, I mean, I honestly think they're, I mean, they're back in bed um, before it gets daylight and they don't really get up to move until it gets dark because it's just so warm. I mean, I know yeah. the Florida deer used to it, but that's, that's what the trail cameras tell me. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's not like I'm all these big bucks coming into my setup uh, when I'm away or anything like that. It's just like, say they're moving right at last light or they're in front of your camera, like 20 minutes before it gets daylight or something like that. Right. Um, so, and I think they just, they move at night and it's cooler out. And they've got plenty of little areas to feed around where they're bedding. Um, so they don't, they don't really have a reason to get up and move around a lot, at least at the beginning of the season, like when they're not searching for does and things like that. Right. So you won't, I, you won't see a mature buck where I'm at until maybe a week or two before what I consider the rut in my area is. Okay. And when is that? Um, where I'm at, that usually what I consider the rut, it usually starts around October 20th where okay. I'm at. So it's earlier down there than yeah. other places. Yeah, it's well, Florida's all over the map. Like you, they'll have yeah. like peak, and every county is just about different. I mean, you can have September down south; it could be August or July, and then the Panhandle; it could be February. So, I mean, it's all it's all over the map. But where I'm at is is it's like the middle of October. Man, that is nuts. Uh, yeah. I'd hate to be that. Well, it would be good or maybe bad, depending on how you look at it, to be one of the, a guy who <laughs> is right on that line where the, the deer that they're chasing, like some come into rut and like some of the does come into heat in uh, uh, September and then some come into rut or some, some of them are coming into heat in February. So that would be, I just, it, you know, obviously it's different all over the nation, but it just, it's kind of funny listening to guys talk about, oh yeah, I was uh, hunting the rut in February. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, I mean, I- down South, even further than you, um, is that like in the Everglades area? That's where they're rutting in August. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're hunting in like July. Yeah. I mean, which is easy. I don't, I don't know how they stand the mosquitoes. <laughs> You're right. Right. Yeah. That's good thermocells down there, but yeah, I mean, there's guys killing bucks that soon, and they're allegedly they're rutting down there. I mean, I've never gone to South Florida to hunt, um, but I've always done from where I'm at to 
like the panhandle area. Um, so I, I can't speak for those guys down there. Um, right. But I mean, it's okay. everywhere. Like say there, I can't pay for meat is September, and then yeah. where I'm at, over. So. Right. All right. So then in um. So where you where you hunt and how they travel? When when does the movement really start to pick up down there in Florida um, to to the point where you know you start to get a little excited about getting in the timber and not necessarily the early season where you're sweating your balls off and knowing that you're probably not going to encounter a, a, a buck while hunting. Um, I would say they generally start getting some good daylight sightings of bucks probably around the second week of October. Okay. Like they'll be up feet kind of cruising at that point. And these are like, I'm talking about like more mature bugs, decent bugs. Right. Well, with your, so that the second week of October, would you consider that kind of a pre-rut then for your area? Um, yes. Yes, for okay. sure. All right, so, a boxer during that time. Okay, so then, um, with you know, with that said, when do you start uh, planning for your vacation? Or, well, I, I take it you're part of a like a hunting group or like a hunting lease with several other guys on it. You said, yes, yeah, or I'm a member, or we call it a hunting club. Oh yeah, yep, it's a lease. So there's like seven or eight of us, um, okay. property. And on the other one, there's just the same thing. Gotcha. So then how do you, de- how do you, uh, determine who gets to hunt the best parts of the year? Like who, as soon as these <laughs> big bucks start moving, how do you determine who hunts this property and how, how big, um, how big is pretty, the property and how many guys are on it too? It's owned, I believe it's around 900 acres. Okay about eight of us that hunt okay the 900 acres so we all have like we all have specific areas where we hunt like we have a, a big board and everyone i mean you get two kind of primary stands like primary areas i would say because i mean you can take your climber in or whatever your running gun set up in and you can kind of set up pretty much anywhere is that way you can just kind of know what people have their primary stands on those right. boards um and there's only there may be three of us that bow hunt in that club. Okay. Bow season, we got the lay of the lay of the land for the most part. Um, okay. We're just, I mean, we're these other guys' setups or anything like that. I mean, we're staying away from their stuff. Um, but as far as like just going in and not worrying about anybody else, um, we have it because, like I said, there's like three of us that actually bow hunt. Okay. During the our- so then and it's then- kind of. So they kind of comes in, they just stick to their area basically. I mean, so you don't really have any of that worrying about if somebody's going to be there or not. Right. So it, it going in ahead of time, it's like, okay, this is, this is Chase's area. We know that he's not, you know, we know not to hunt there because this is where he hunts. Right. All right. Yeah. I mean, so, we rules like to be so, so far away from somebody else, like maybe like during gun season, like you need to be about 300 yards from someone else or during archery, you need to be a hundred yards or 200 yards away. So, I mean, there, there's like little rules like that just to kind of like, okay, yeah. if you're this side, then the other person needs to hunt on that same side. <laughs> like if you're hunting kind of in the same area, so you're not like shooting towards each other right. and, and things. Um, but like so what- some of those guys, the guys don't even live in this area like they come up from south florida okay so so what happens hypothetically if you know all of a sudden a giant buck shows up and it's archery season and there's let's say three of you guys on 900 acres but this buck is showing up near another guy's quote unquote claimed area you know what i mean does that buck just get a free ride or are pe- are people going after him? Um. Well, I would say in our, our club, there's probably maybe two or three of us that run trail cameras. Um, and that would be like us bow guys. <laughs> yeah. So we probably wouldn't know per se if it was in their area. You know what I mean? Unless we just happen to see him in that area driving through right. or something. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the guys don't care. Like, they, they don't mind. They get like, yeah, you can go hunt my area. I don't care. I don't, I don't bow hunt. Yeah. So just don't be there when it's muzzleloader season or rifle season. When at that time, I'm going to be there. But as far as the bow season, most of them don't care. They're just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're going after a big buck, go ahead. Um, I can't hunt until whatever, middle yeah. of October, butter opens. Okay. Um, this is so, just yeah, kind of all, this is all kind of foreign to me, these hunting clubs, and everybody gets a certain area. I mean, are are there parts of that farm that are better than others? So, you know, some guys who have the, you know, have a draw where another guy has a CRP field that isn't producing much or, or, or anything like that. Right. Um, there's definitely some areas that are better than others. Um, I've been in that particular club for like going on 11 years now. Um, so I'm like third on the hierarchy to say, like I've been, I've been there the third longest, I guess. So as you, and you kind of get the areas that are left over, if you know, if you understand what I'm saying, like everyone already has their areas. So you just come in and try to stay away from where everybody else is. If you're new to coming in. Okay. Unless, like I say, I, my buddy's in, so we just hunt each other's areas. Like, we, we don't, we're not like, okay, this is my spot, you can't hunt it. It's like, if you're off and want to go hunt it, go hunt it type deal. Yeah. Um, kind of let each other know, hey, I'm hunting this stand today, or I'm hunting in this area, just to let, just to give you a heads up. Right. So. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, so how does that work then from a seniority level? Every year, do you guys go and um, pick which area or which hundred acres of, off that lease that you want? And then the the, the guy with the least uh, amount of uh, time put in at, at, on that lease gets the last pick or gets whatever's left over? Um, Basically, I mean, it, there's, I mean, there's probably like four or five of us that have been in there like 10 plus years. So we all know where we hunt. So it's just like when the new guys come in, they just go, okay. It's usually if someone gets out, like say someone uh, decides they don't want to hunt in that club anymore. They're tired of driving up or whatever they that year. Then we normally have like a drawing. And then one of the members, whoever gets drawn gets to decide who they would like to invite into our club type deal. So that person coming in knows that they're bottom on the totem pole, so to speak. And we have, like I said, we have this board so they can look at this board and be like, okay, this is where everybody hunts. I need to focus my areas elsewhere. Focus your attention on other places of the farm. Okay. Um, so with you, I mean, 11 years ago, you were, you were the new guy on the farm and you got stuck with, uh, I'm guessing not so good spots. Um, was it ever, kind of frustrating knowing that there was other guys on this club that were, uh, you know, seeing good deer, having good encounters, killing, you know, being successful. And then here's you be just because you're bottom on the totem pole, you, you know, it, it's harder for you to have those encounters. Um, well, I was, I was kind of lucky because my father-in-law got me into the club and he had been hunting there for like 20 years. <laughs> So, I mean, he would kind of let me hunt his spots if he wasn't hunting, which he gotcha. had, I mean, he did his spots. Oh, especially for rifle. He's more of a rifle hunter. Gotcha. Um, season. But as far as like bow season and stuff, I mean, that was 11 years ago is when I started hunting. So, I mean, I'm 33 now. Um, so, I, did, I mean, I started hunting. That's when I started hunting is when I got into that club or this I league. Gotcha. So it was all new to me. It wasn't, I mean, I didn't know if I was in a good spot or not because right. I was a brand. <laughs> right. Makes so sense. Encounters um, with deer. I mean, cause there's, there's, there really is, there's quite a few deer on that property. And like I say, when you first start hunting, it's like everyone says, I mean, you just want to kill a deer. So I wasn't really frustrated because like, I mean, I was like, man, I got to kill a deer. I want it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so I wasn't really too worried about size back then. Right. When I first got in the club. Right. I was more worried. Right. And I'll kill one. <laughs> I want to get on one of these animals. Right. So. All right. So then is what's the, I guess, what's the culture like down there? Is there a lot of people waiting to get into these clubs or is there enough land for 
everybody to hunt? Is there, is there good chunks of public ground? Um, I know that certain parts of Florida, you can use dogs. Are, uh, are people using dogs to run the public ground down there? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of public ground, uh, in Florida for sure. Um, some of it is like, say you don't have to pay anything for it. And then others are like, you know, limited entry hunts or quota draws like you put in for it and they draw so many tags and they say yes or no, you didn't, you didn't have enough preference points type thing. Um, and you build up preference points and then you can go hunt those areas. And then other ones are just like a club. I mean, they have state land that you pay like 400 bucks for the year and it's like 20,000 acres and there's 200 guys on it. Um, okay. just all over. And yes, they, they do have a bunch of, uh, quite a few dog areas as well. Um, I mean, I don't hunt anywhere near the dog areas, but there's dogs, dog hunting on private and public down here. Okay. Um, so what is, I, I know that you are, in a club is there such thing as hunting pressure on on this club i mean do you notice a a change in deer movement once you know the season starts to rock and roll oh yeah um as far as bow season like i said i mean they're just not moving much so i wouldn't really consider that pressure but opening day of muzzleloader season pretty much everybody who hunts in that club is going to be in there right and it's the deer movement is just insane those first few days. I mean, you're seeing deer, you're seeing bucks that you haven't seen all season. I mean, that's what I consider the rut because, I mean, they're chasing does like crazy, and it could just be the influx of a bunch of guys in there driving their trucks, walking to the tents, getting them on their feet. Um, but they're definitely chasing does um, yeah. during that. So it gets them up. And then after maybe a week of that week and a half, then the deer movement definitely goes way back down. Okay. Especially for the nice bucks. All right. Um, you'll see plenty of does. Um, it, it never seems to curb the, doe, <laughs> the doe movement. Um, but as far as buck sightings, yeah, it goes way down after those first couple of weeks of muzzleloader. Cause our muzzleloader season is two weeks long. Now it used to be a week, but they changed it. So now it's two weeks long. And, about that two weeks is if you're going to kill a big boy, it's usually that two weeks. And then after that, there's been so much pressure guys just like driving in their ATVs, driving in the trucks, checking all their stuff. Like say you had two or three guys bow hunting. Now you have eight guys in there. <laughs> um, muzzleloader, muzzleloader hunting. And then you got people in the area. They start coming in too, like the neighbors. That's when they start yeah. hunting. That's so you just got a ton of pressure. So of course, that's just gonna make the uh, deer sightings go down. Obviously, right. um, but it may be two weeks. Like you get two weeks, and then boom, way down after that. Okay. So then, um, on the piece of property that you hunt, you would say that the last two weeks in October are the is the best time to be in the timber. Yes. If you're going to be, if you're going to take any time off, it's going to be those two weeks. Like if, if I were to pick two weeks to be off or an amount of time, that that's the time to be in the woods where I'm at. Gotcha. All right. Now, as far as strategy is concerned, um, you know, I take it that you, you're basing your vacation and, and spending the most time, uh, in the timber around those two weeks. Is that, is that accurate? Um, yes. For sure. I mean, I bow, I, I mean, I love to bow hunt. Um, and I just, I mean, I love being in the woods, period. And luckily, I have a great job for that with the firefighting thing. Cause like I said, we work a day, then we're off two days. Uh, and then we have, like I said, if we take vacation, we're off for five days. Or, and we can work for each other. So I'll work for guys like during the summer. Yeah. So they can work for me during the fall. So gotcha. like puzzle loader season, I was off all two weeks. <laughs> like I took all two weeks off. <laughs> oh, nice. So, nice. It's just, Oh, that's just the time to be in the woods. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm not going to waste that time. I'm just, I'm going to be, if I can be there every day, I'm going to be there every day. Okay. So then as far as the, the season is concerned, then muzzleload, the muzzleloader season kicks in right as the rut starts. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Now, from a strategy standpoint, right, and I want you to go into as much detail as you can, um, 
you know, you go into a property, uh, this 900 acres, which you really only have access to like what, one, one ten of it, 110 of it is you, is, is yours. How that, that you, I guess it's, uh, assigned to you or, you know, you, you chose it or whatever. Right. How do you, how do you approach your two weeks there? I mean, do you go sit in the same stands? Do you go, do you have food plots ready? Um, how do you, how do you work that two weeks? Okay. Well, I have a stand that I always hunt open a day, muzzleloader, no matter what. And that's just, it's, it's kind of like an outside in thing. It's on a big power line. So I can just see a long ways. Right. Um, and it's by woods on both sides. And it's like, it's like a 40 yard strip. So I go sit there and I'm trying to see what the deer are doing because if they're running does, there's a good shot. There's a good chance. I'm going to at least see them running them across that, that power. Line. Yeah. Um, I'll get in there and that's where I sit. And it's a good spot. Cause it's kind of like dead in the middle of that club. So everybody's kind of pushing deer and I'm kind of like the beneficiary of it. Cause I get them coming from both ways. <laughs> from the east or the west so i spend that first the first day i spend hunting from there um just trying to see where a lot of the deer movement is and things like that and then i'll kind of go for like a lot of times i'll kill something open a day just because um that's it's like i said it's during the rut and you got all those guys in there and they're just pushing they're just lumping deer around um right. there's been a lot of times killed stuff open a day a muzzle loader um and if and if I'm not successful, then that's when I start moving. Um, I'll find, like I say, everybody will kind of be hunting their primary stands. So, and there's a couple of areas because they cut a bunch of timber in our club this year. Like they cut a bunch of like mature pines. So they were in there doing that during the season. Oh, but boy. they took off and muzzle loaders happened to take that time off. So I took my climber in pretty much every day and just made random setups. Just slowly worked my in. Like I would be like, I'd look one day and I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, there's a lot of deer moving that area and I would just move a little bit closer. And then yeah. I'd move a little. Um, so I try to hunt, like I say, like a lot of guys from the outside in. I just keep moving in. Um, because like I say, I know my time's limited because after muzzleloader, I mean, the sightings definitely go way down. Right. Um, so right. Kind of, yeah, I go in, I try to, I try to see as far as I can see that, that open day because I, I mean I, I love muzzle loader hunting um, i mean i love bow probably the best but i, I do love muzzle loading um, as well um so i bring my muzzle loader in i can i mean i'm accurate out to about 200 yards with it so i kind of just like away from everything and see what the deer are doing gotcha so now turned on those deer for that day i'm not really like i said i'm not sure if it's the pressure or what it is but during both seasons you may, you'll see bucks here and there, but I mean, that day, I mean, I may see 10, I may see 12 different bucks right. that I've just never seen. Um, just because I can. How many deer, how many bucks are you typically seeing in a sit in that two weeks? Uh, and then out of that, out of those bucks, how many typically are what you would consider shooters? Um, if I had to say probably between, just to fit like that first day it could be a bunch um i mean i've seen up to like 12 12 bucks and that maybe one of them i would say one of them was like mature and then there'd be a few like three and a half year olds probably and then everything else young i mean there'd be like a, there'd be spikes four points stuff like that chasing those right um so and then through like say throughout the week it kind of gets lower and lower but i mean you never know. My buddy was sitting in a spot last year and he had this doe kind of come along this ridge and he had five different bucks on her trail throughout the hunt. Yeah. So, um, you just don't know. Like I said, you could see, there could be a day where you see three or four or you could see 10 or 12. And okay. there is here, like in Florida, there's not really like, you can't really pattern a deer in Florida. I mean, some guys do, don't get me wrong, but as far as like pattern one, I mean, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I came as close as I ever did this year during both season to one, and he got within 20 yards. And, you know, like a split second from full draw would have been the biggest buck I've ever killed in my bow. Um, just because I, I had him 
patterned on game cam and he was moving during the daylight, but it was that, that October time, like that pre-rut and he was moving a bunch. Um, so, but as far as like pattern one, it's just hard. All the biggest deer I've ever seen. That was the one, that was the time I saw him was actually hunting. Like I never really catch him on camera, um, or anything like that. I think just, there's so many does in that area that it just draws bucks from neighboring properties in. And during that time is just when you got a chance to see him. Okay. So it's, it's, it's hard to get a deer pattern. They don't have the, it sounds to me like they don't really have core areas that they work. They just are running all over the place, like crazy dogs. Yeah. I mean, the, there was a, a deer that I killed late season this year. I killed him in the area where we had been seeing him the whole season, but like he would show up on your game camera and then you might not see him for two weeks and then he it may go a month. I mean, you just don't know. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure they're using that area, um, but who knows? You could have gone on a hot doe. I don't know. Um, so, and like I said, there's some you see on game camera once, never see them again. And then others, like some of the younger bucks, obviously you'll see them on your camera all the time. Um, but as far as like a mature deer, they don't take too much pressure. And I mean, they just, they go nocturnal and then you just don't see them anymore. Gotcha. So in 2016, this, this past year, on December 12th, you sent me a picture of a, a pallet with yeah. one, two, three, four, five different bucks on uh, on it. Those were all bucks that you killed in 2016? Um, yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So you killed five bucks in 2016. Did they all meet not only your club standards, but your standards as well? Um, yeah. Well, actually, I, I killed my biggest buck to date in January of 17 after that. Oh, okay. So, actually, I killed a sixth one. But, um, yeah, I would say um, the one I killed during bow, I killed one during bow, bow season. Um, and he was a decent buck. Um, I mean, he had a big body. He just we have a genet a weird genetic in there where they're missing brow tines, but I, yeah. I guess I found out that it's really hard to take out genetics, especially if you don't know what does they're breeding with. Yeah. So it's impossible actually. Now <laughs> all you can do is take somebody who's coming up to the table and feeding on the food that you want your other deer to feed on basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, which I, I had never really thought about it that way until like I heard that wired to hunt podcast was, yep. Johnson Strickland or something, yep. some biologist. I was yep. like, oh my goodness. I never really thought about it that way. Because you always hear cold buck. Well, I mean, you can't take them out because you don't know who they're breeding with. Right. Um, so um, so I shot a buck during bow season. Um, like I said, you you get two a day. I've always, down here in Florida, you got a ton of people asking you for meat, like all the time. I mean, everybody okay. loves it. So when you got like, the tags are kind of low. It's like, well, if it's a decent buck, then I mean, I'll kill it. Just if like a family member or someone who doesn't hunt wants meat, because you may not get a chance during doe. I mean, you just don't know because you got like three days um, to kill a doe if you don't kill one during archery season. Um, are there more so, bucks than does? What's the ratio like? Uh, no, no. I would say it's probably one to ten, maybe. Huh. If I so one one buck for ten does, yet you can kill more bucks than does in a given season. Oh yeah, yeah, way more. Wow, that yeah. just does that doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, oh, I've, I've been I, I want Florida to at least go to like a number system, like you get this many bucks and this many does, but right, it just right. I mean, they're trying. I mean, they they finally went to some antler restrictions over the last couple of years. So they have like this, I guess, strategic plan that they have set in motion and they're slowly working on it. Um, but as far as like the bucks, I mean, it's just insane that you can kill two a day every day for the whole season. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that blows me away, especially when, um, you know, especially you mentioned everybody loves venison, which I would assume that, okay, um, not only can I. I can, if people want venison, um, I can shoot as many does as I want and give those out. Um, and then, and this isn't, this isn't to 
judge you or I'm just basic, basic, um, explaining myself from the Florida game regulations, right? I see a pallet here of five, five bucks. Now Mm -hmm. at, at some point you can say, Oh man, just imagine if some of these bucks got to that next stage in their life, um, there's a potential that their antlers could could grow bigger and i i've already you know i've shot i've shot three bucks this year i'm gonna let you know i'm done hunting bucks this year and then i'm going to just shoot a a ton of does but you're saying that you can't do that because you can't shoot as many does as bucks right yeah yeah i mean if somebody if it November and someone asked me for a deer. I mean, the only chance, the only thing I have is to kill them, to kill a buck. I mean, if they're asking me for, it's like, hey, if you get a chance, I mean, I'd love to have a deer, or love to have some deer meat or whatever. I would right. love to go kill those. I mean, obviously we have a ton of them. If I can see forty in a sitting, I mean, yeah. I would love to kill a bunch of does just to kind of even out the um, ratio. But it's just that's just the way the rules are. I mean, you get like a three day period after bow season to kill does <laughs> so and nobody um, i mean nobody like nobody wants to take advantage of that uh i mean they don't they don't really care about going out and slamming like your entire club shows up and says hey we got to take out 40 we're, we got to take out 25 does this year in order you know for a for some kind of you know, the leveling of the ratios, you know, trying to bring management into it, or is it just kind of a, Hey, we love to hunt and we're going to hunt type of deal. Um, I mean, there's several of us that want to take out the does and there's, there's a guy that he's actually the leaseholder for the property. Yeah. And he just, we've asked him a ton of times to get those deprivation permits because that's the only way you can do it. Like you have to go, to the Florida, um, F, they call it the FWC. You call it, I guess, Department of Natural Resources. But yeah. you have to go to the, have to apply for those tags, and they give out so many per like hundred acres. Gotcha. And we've been asked, like, hey, can we get these tags? And he's kind of old school. He's like, oh, we got to have does. I mean, that they're the ones that breed. And I'm like, but we've got so many. But he doesn't yeah. really hunt. He's just kind of the the leaseholder. So. I'm just like, man, I was like, we've got to take out some of these does so we can get the ratio um, better. Because like I say, you can sit and see, I can sit and see like 20 or 30. My buddy could sit somewhere else and see 20 or 30 and it's not the same does. Right. Um, so there's a bunch of them. Um, right. They're safe. You're just limited on when you can kill them. Yeah, that's um, nuts. So it, then as the, you know, so it forces a guy to if he if he likes to hunt it forces him to shoot bucks um yeah and you know and it kind of goes against the rest uh it kind of goes against managing for a mature age class which i guess is has found to be beneficial in tons of other states so i don't know that just kind it just I'm, I'm talking i'm thinking out loud now it just kind of blows my mind how how that how that all works and how not necessarily Florida but every state and their Department of Natural Resources or Fish and Wildlife or whatever they call themselves has a different type of view on how to manage their state's wildlife when you almost feel like it should be you know they should be more similar than they are than they would be further apart. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Florida, I think Florida, Mississippi, maybe, and like some other, maybe one other state, like you don't have to report anything. Yeah. So, I mean, you get to a day, but there's no tag. Like you have no tag to put on the deer. You you don't don't report it. So, I mean, that's just, okay. We're we're just going to hope everyone, that's what everyone's doing. Um, but even then it's just an astronomical number. I mean, there's guys, I fact, there's guys that kill 20 plus deer as far as bucks, 20, 20 bucks a year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. 
This okay. was like this killed the five. Well, let's say I killed six. Normally, I kill two a year. Right. Um, this, this, you know, I mean, you know how you kind of have one of those years where, like, every time you, you sit, like, you see a good buck type deal. I mean, you just, it's just it was just one of those years that I had, and like I said, I had plenty of people asking me for meat and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I killed three of the bucks I killed were over the hundred inches for like a Florida trophy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the other one was, I mean, he had five on one side and a big brow tine and just a main beam on the other. Um, so I, I took him out for, I guess, management purposes. Um, but I mean, they were, I mean, they were good bucks. I mean, they were quality deer, um, especially for my area. I mean, that's a lot of what you're going to see, um, as far as like, genetics wise right um you have some like say a big buck in florida goes i mean every year somebody kills one usually around 150 inches like that's like the top typical for the state of florida yeah yeah so so i just i just got on my calendar on my calculator here and there's on average 30 days in a month between october november december and february all right so i take that times uh that's that's 30 days times four and that uh, then times two. So legally, if a guy hunted every day of the, say, the hunting season, he could take up to 240 whitetail bucks legally. One guy yeah. could, could, could do that. Um, yep. And even if you divide that by four, right, he only hunts the weekends, let's say. Then you're looking even at 60. Do you on your property on that 900 acres have 60 bucks running around? I wouldn't say there's probably 60. I mean, there's there's quite a few, but like I said, a lot of them just pass through, if right. you know what I mean. Um, right. As far as ones that actually stay there, I mean, I, I mean there may be 40 or so 40 to 50 maybe right um it just depends i mean as a club i think we killed i mean less than 20 this year but i mean i mean i I mean i saw a bunch of bucks other people saw a bunch of bucks i mean but there there's a lot of younger bucks that kind of live on the property um that you see obviously um but you think that all of the does you know with uh the ratio that you said um one buck to every 10 does, you know, that was an estimate. Do you think that all of the does are getting bred throughout the entire season? Um, yes. Okay. Because I think they breed because in Florida they can breed year round. I mean, there is no, there's nothing that the weather's not going to get bad enough for a fawn. Like they can survive Florida's winters because it doesn't get cold enough. I mean, there's nothing brutal about Florida. So, I've seen them chasing does in January. Yeah. I saw, I went out season this year and saw fresh grapes in February yeah. in yeah. my area. And that is in October. So I know that they're still breeding um, at those times because, like I say, you'll see sign. And I've seen them. I've seen them chasing does in January. Um, you don't see it as much, but you, you will see it. Yeah. So oh. it just depends. And that's why you get, like, say you get different stages of horns in Florida, like spikes. Like you may have, you'll have some buck bucks and you'll have spikes that may be two or three inches. And then you'll have spikes that may be like eight inches because they just got bred at different times during the year. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I believe that they get bred almost year round. <laughs> right. But at least after horns. So I say most of them, yes, are getting bred. Huh. So... Have you ever talked to um, or or done any research or, or read up about how the Florida um, DNR or FWC or whatever you called it is handling the deer uh, the deer herd in um, Florida, or is it just one of those things where it's like, hey man, it's so complicated that we're just going to break it into these certain zones and then we're going to handle it like that, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I've looked into it. Like I said, they, they have this strategic plan, which now you can't, they have it used to be, you could shoot spikes. Like you could shoot two spikes a day. 
Yeah. Um, so now they, they have certain areas that have to be 2.0 on one side. Then they have areas that have to be 3.0 on one side. Um, but they're so they've got them broken down in these called deer management units. Yeah. So where my house is, it's on like a main, like state road kind of that goes through Florida. Where my house is, I, it has to be three points or better. Across the street, it can be two points or better. Hmm. Just, just that's where the dividing line is. I mean, I live on the divide, the dividing line. So there's just so many little rules where they should. I think they should just say, okay. You get three tag. You get three bucks this year. You get three buck tags, and then you get whatever. However many that five does or whatever. Um, yeah. I'd rather them have like that, where like they they give you a number, which is a lot lower than what it currently is. Yeah. And hey, this is what you got. Tag them, report it, and that way, like I said, we'd have more mature bucks. We'd have a better deer herd population because we could take out the does that we need to take out because we would have a year round. That's the problem. You don't have year round tags for does. So you're kind of like handcuffed to when you can take them. Man, that's crazy. That is crazy. But you know, yet you, you know, you're used to it down there, obviously. And, uh, you found success, um, down in Florida, I guess, let's say I schedule a, a, a trip down to Florida and uh, whether I, I get access to public, uh, you know, um, a private piece of ground or I, I go and try to uh, hunt on some public ground, what advice would you give to someone who, let's say, is from the Midwest or even the Northeast or, you know, different parts of the nation that decide to come down to Florida? Is there any type of strategy advice uh, or any any type of advice really that you would give someone coming down to hunt Florida for the first time? Um, I mean, I would just say it's, I mean, it's, it's just a little bit different. I mean, obviously it's not going to be like the Midwest (laughs) um, or anything like that. Um, The advice I would be like anyone else. I mean, pull up some maps, look at the area. I mean, you just, I mean, you'd you'd have to, I would just take a day to go out and kind of scout the area. Um, Cause I mean, these, there's some big areas. And they're just really heavily wooded. I mean, it's just, it's kind of hard to explain to just to tell somebody, hey, go out and hunt. I mean, usually if someone finds out that you hunt Florida and have success, they're like, oh, well, this guy, I mean, he probably kind of has an idea of what he's doing. (laughs) Um, Just because, like I say, there is, there's no patterning the deer. I can't say, okay, well, I know these deer are going to come out here every day. I mean, there, there could be 25 trails coming off of an area to go to like a, a big food plot and you could put a camera on one of them and you might not see a deer for two weeks, but you'll see 30 deer out in that plot. I mean, they don't use the same trail all the time. Um, so it's not like, Oh, I'm going to set up on this deer trail and something's going to come by. I mean, you just don't know just because they, they have so many places to go and be in cover. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's just, I would say it's going to be tough. <laughs> That's right. what I would tell them. If they never hunted anything like that. Um, now, but that's the way it's out. Yeah. What about from a, I guess, what about from a, a strategy standpoint on, you know, using access on terrainless, basically featureless land? Right. As far as like just accessing your tree stands and things accessing like that. Accessing where to hunt. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, you, you, you move around a lot depending on if uh, um, you're not seeing stuff from your, your stands uh, and you hunt like you have one stand that's just a wide open uh, power line and then you have some other other spots. But, you know, what are what are some of those other spots? Um, well, I mean, a lot of times I'll just I mean, I kind of like the uh, the random setup. I mean, kind of like you, a lot of people say, like the first time in is the best time in. Yep. Um, I'll just area where i know there's deer and i'll just go set up on a tree and see what's going on and then if i mean i've had a ton of success doing that i mean because i mean i know the areas but just going in just randomly setting up that day and put going in with my climber because it's i mean a climber in florida is usually pretty good because there's a bunch of like pine trees and things like that um so it's, it's pretty simple but i'll just go in and randomly set up 
see what try to see what the deer are doing and kind of move in because playing that you can kind of play the wind in florida um but you just a lot of times you just don't know where they're going to come from because they can that a lot they can just kind of bed anywhere so i mean you're you're hoping that you're the wind's good for you and that's what i thought this year i mean i had a buck like i said i thought the wind was perfect but as soon as i hit my little windicator the the humidity was so high it was just all my scent was just banking all over the place um so it's tougher for sure um it's like you can say play the wind but you kind of just got to go in and do what you can hopefully you're playing playing uh the wind the best you can and how big how how big are the mosquitoes in uh in florida (laughs) Uh, well, it depends on the area. I the area I'm in is kind of high and dry. Okay. So, really not that bad. But I have hunted areas where they are really bad, like kind of like the swampy areas, like public yeah. entry hunts and stuff like that that I've done. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's not necessarily the size; it's just the sheer numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went uh, I went fishing up in uh, Minnesota one summer it was like way northern minnesota and the mosquitoes were so big you'd get lightheaded if they bit you <laughs> yeah i mean i've been to, i mean i've been hit up by some mosquitoes and, and you're almost got <laughs> to get it down this is it's driving me nuts <laughs> right right hey chase man i really appreciate you taking time to uh to do this today thanks for coming on the show yeah man no problem um, I'm I'm glad we could have this talk. Uh, maybe somebody out there hears something about the uh, our management system. <laughs> get some maybe it'll get some wheels turning or whatever. Right. Um, so get our our management numbers in check down here in Florida. Hey, that would be awesome. Contact Chase. Uh, all the DNR people need to contact you, right, for more questions. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks again, man. All right, Dan. I appreciate it. And there you have it. The Hump Day podcast is in the books. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that uh, little bit of sweetness. Huge shout out to Chase for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you taking time. Thanks to all you guys and gals for downloading this. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Ripcord Arrow Rests, Deer Lab, Exodus. And uh, as always, remember that uh, Exodus discount, uh, Nine Fingers, when checking out. Other than that, make sure you go and check out my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and if you want to be a guest on the podcast, whether it's for a product review, whether it if you are a manufacturer and you have a product that you would like to uh, tell everybody about, or if uh, you have a, a cool uh, Hunter Profile podcast or even a BS session that you'd like to do, uh, ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com. Send me in, uh, an email and we will uh, talk about getting you on the podcast. Thanks again. If you're in the tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of your week.